Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. This is our 100th episode, and if you had told me a year ago on December 2019 that I would be introducing my 100th episode, I would have laughed because I did not think that we would even last this long. But in reality, our influence and impact and visibility in the industry continues to grow. People love hearing from famous and renowned people regarding their experiences being braver at work. And we have heard from great contributors like Amy Edmondson, Timothy Clark, Sharon Huffman Polson, and Peter Bregman talking about what it takes to be braver in the workplace. So I am thrilled that you have listened to us over the last year, and I hope you continue to listen to us as we continue to bring you true stories and true reflections on being braver at work. And I hope you have listened to our past podcast conversations. And if you'd like to hear past episodes, as I think you should, and contributors like Amy Edmondson and Peter Bregman are fantastic episodes that you should listen to, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcast, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, in audio, and on Kindle at Amazon.com barnesandnoble.com, and at any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you're looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce my guest today. David Taylor Klaus's clients are entrepreneurs and senior executives achieving success professionally, but seeing that growth comes at the expense of personal fulfillment. You know you're ready to work with David when you catch yourself thinking things like, my spouse hates my company. I thought my company would have been farther along by now or I don't know, what's next? David is the podcast host of Mindset Mondays and his newest book, Mindset Mondays with DTK, 52 Ways to Rewire Your Thinking and Transform Your Life, is a user's guide to changing your mind. In it, he's woven well-known quotes from authors, artists, coaches, and other visionaries with engaging stories to inspire new ways of thinking. Welcome, David. Thanks, Ed. I'm, I'm excited for our conversation. I am as well, and I took a yeoman's effort here of introducing you, but I think it would be great to have you share a little bit more about what you do in the marketplace today and really how you interface with clients. Yeah, look, my favorite way of describing what I do is that I reintroduce successful entrepreneurs and senior leaders to their families. <laughs> and, and I say it that way because I get reactions like that a lot. I also get sort of the Scooby-Doo response, huh? tell me more. <laughs> And, and I like that because I think we're, we're in a time where people are attention poor and time poor, and that gives a chance for people to understand what very quickly what it is to be over-calibrated. And 
<laughs> when we are living the should life and not really being super intentional, th that's one of the, the way I look at bravery, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, is that it's when we're not intentional and when we're living by default, that's generally the absence of bravery, right? And that leads us oftentimes when we're driven to be super over-calibrated, so heavily calibrated towards work that the personal stuff suffers, which is the reason I use that term, reintroducing them to their families. Even if they don't have families by blood, we all have families by choice. Well, I love that concept. And part of it is because based on my conversations with many of my guests before you, this idea of getting more calibrated and more balanced with your professional life and personal life oftentimes takes bravery, that you don't have the courage or the bravery to ask if I could leave at six tonight or not work this weekend or go on vacation and not take my laptop. This is very hard for a lot of people because they feel if they say that or ask that, they are diminishing themselves in their company because they think they should be available 24 seven. And so it sounds like you work with a lot of people who feel they should be available, you know, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, and don't know how to create boundaries around their lives. Well, even the companies that that overtly don't push folk for those 60, 70 hour weeks and the 24 seven availability, people still have this idea that that's what's required. But, but it's interesting, the bravery part of it is not always just asking for that time or asking for those boundaries. It's daring to know what's important to you and to say it out loud, even if just to yourself, and daring to say no to the things that don't fit. So the bravery can, I think it's most powerful when the bravery comes even earlier, when it comes in that, those conversations that we have with ourselves, where the truth is really important. Well, I'd love to explore that just for a minute, because I think what I'm hearing is, you know, before you execute on that bravery moment, there are things that should be in place or that you should think about or consider before you do it. So can you just, and I'm not sure if I'm understanding you correctly, I hope that I am, but if I am, can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, that perspective that you're sharing? Well, it's like, what do you bring brave in service of, right? And so you use the example of going on vacation or leaving at six. It's what's the purpose even behind that? Is it because my spouse said, you got to be home? Is it because we made some plans for this weekend and sorry, boss, I can't change that? Or is it because... You, you are clear that family is important and time is important and being efficient at work so I can have that personal time is important. Daring to know what your values are and what you believe in. So you're brave about those things. So your requests can be matter of fact and not laced with fear. A lot of people uh, on our calls have talked about the need to be present when you are finding yourself in a bravery moment. And, you know, we've defined bravery a number of different ways. And as you can imagine, most of our guests have different words or phrases and different experiences around bravery. But it seems to be fairly consistent that bravery either can be pre-planned, like I need to do something or say something. So here's how I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it a week from Friday. Or sometimes it's unplanned, right? Something happens or somebody says something at a meeting and suddenly you're required to do it. But it sounds like this pre-planned need to really know yourself and what your objectives are before you move forward seems to be important. Yeah, it is. And I, I love what popped up when you asked that question. It really is being <laughs> brave enough to have those internal conversations and to know what's important to you allows you to be brave when you don't get to plan. When something happens in a meeting, when conditions change and 
the more you're clear, you know, Roy Disney said, when your values are clear, decision-making becomes easier. And if we play that out here, when, when what's driving you is clear enough, <laughs> being brave is easier. Yeah, I love that. I love Never that. Never easy, just easier. <laughs> well, a lot of people have also felt that bravery is a messy place, right? That it's not the secret code that only certain people know and know how to do well. But for most folks, bravery uh, in, in, involves emotion. It involves saying things that maybe are harder to say or harder to hear, right? That it's this messy kind of tangled place that you need to get into. And, uh, you know, and folks feel that it brings to the surface feelings, right? About how you feel about something. And the more that you feel it, the more likely you are to say something and do something a little bit differently. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, and part of it is let's take it up a layer. I think a lot of the messy comes from um, lack of trust in an organization. And let me say it a different way, not judging an organization. I think that the more trust there is and the more clear communication there is, the less need for bravery between players. Right. Because when it's a safe environment, it doesn't take bravery to be open and vulnerable and transparent and to have the deeper, more important conversations, because that's what the container has already been built for because of the trust. Right. It, it, the bravery can can apply to externally driven things. But when that team is solid and trusting and communicating well, bravery is not required in the same way. Right. Right. Well, it's part of what you're discovering. Yeah, well, part of what you're describing, I think, is this arena of psychological safety, right, where some environment has been created, probably by the leader, but others can you know, certainly influence it, but uh, has been created where people can say what they need to say, do what they need to do, be who they are. Mm -hmm. uh, and so if they don't understand something that's been said 10 times, they're comfortable raising their hand and say, hey, I know we've talked about this 10 times, but I still don't understand how one plus one equals two. Can we go over it again? And they won't feel as if they're being judged or laughed at or, you know, people won't roll their eyes, et cetera, because this environment has been created to allow it. Yeah. So, so what you're speaking to, I think, really brilliantly is some of the work by Judith Glazer on conversational intelligence. And Tony, who's been on your show talking about psychological safety, he, he and I have talked about this work. The, 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 that piece from Judith's work about conversational essentials and double clicking, you know, being willing to say, hey, I know that you don't say this part, but I, what we know is that common language does not mean common understanding, and we confuse those two. So to be able to say, I know we've talked about this, but I want to double click. I want to make sure I understand what that phrase or what that idea means and the willingness of the organization to unpack. When one person in the system speaks up, they're not the only one experiencing it ever. So they're the voice of the system, not a whistleblower and not an irritant. You say, great, let's open that up and have that conversation. That's amazing for building trust within people. When you can ask the seasoned questions and the rookie questions all in the same field, that's a, that is a team that is well integrated and has huge trust. That's a place where you talk about team bravery and how the team deals with things rather than bravery within the team. Right, right. Well, look, it sounds as though you have done a lot of work with individuals and teams and organizations. When you think about bravery at work, David, what words or phrases come to mind? Wow. Well, one of the ones that comes up is speaking truth to power, the willingness. I think the important thing before I even say that is the difference between 
confidence and and bravery or confidence and courage. The confidence is an outcome of action. It's not a requirement for action. So that's where bravery comes in. It's the bravery is facing the fear and doing it anyway, because you're doing it in service of something that you're clear about. Right. So it's the important thing is <clears throat> being clear what is important so that you're brave in service of that rather than just trying to drum up the courage from your bones, right? There's a reason. So then there's the opportunity for speaking truth to power. And that's an important piece. So it's honesty and speaking truth to power. I think relationship over task is part of bravery. I mean, focusing on the right thing, right? Whatever the task is, is not nearly as important as the relationship with the humans that are responsible and related to that task. And then the impact as driver, I'm not saying the ends justify the means. I'm saying that when you're clear and focused, again, on what the driver is for the individual and the team, again, it's easier to be brave towards that or in service of. Well, no, I love that. And, you know, when you're talking about um, uh, your second point uh, relative to my, my mind has just totally gone blank. I can't recall what that second point was, but it was moving toward, uh, you know, sticking with who you are. Mm. and uh, operating with bravery because you are present with who you are, why you want to move in that direction, why it's important we move in this direction, which gives me the ability to say something. And I think from your perspective, if I find that connection between myself and what I need to say or do, I will appear to others to be confident. Yeah, it's relationship over task, and that can be relationship to self and relationship to other over the, that's more important than the task always. Right. You know, we do a program with a client where we talk about emotional intelligence and how emotional intelligence is uh, even oftentimes more impactful and influential than IQ, right? So people with high levels of emotional intelligence, high ability to build relationships, high ability to create vision and motivate people, you know, while they still need to have the appropriate amount of IQ, right? So it's not that IQ isn't important, but assuming it's appropriate, EQ can actually play a more impactful role. I, I, you say may, and what I keep wanting to scream is, no, always. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, EQ always. You know, one of the things in a conversation with Dan Goldman, we talked about hire for character and EQ. You can train for skills. <laughs> right. You know, high, high EQ is always preferable. Always. Right. Always. Well, many of our guests, uh, David, have shared a story uh, from their past of a time that they have either shown bravery as one of the emotions uh, and look back on that uh, passionately or a time where they didn't show bravery and look back in regret in respect to either not saying what they should have said or not done what they would have done. Do you have a story today that you could share with us? <laughs> or just one? <laughs> yeah, yes, sadly, I do. <laughs> I, and I think uh, I think it's more of a cautionary tale. Um, the concept I learned from Kim Scott from uh, Radical Candor was the flip side, which is ruinous empathy. And okay. I did not, on our team, lean into Radical Candor. And we had somebody in the organization who was not able to fulfill what they needed to do for that job. And instead of saying, hey, this isn't a match, we want to give you the opportunity to excel somewhere else, we kept trying to find this person another seat on our bus and kept creating different roles or amalgam roles or mushing things around to give them a place. And 
we even had them doing things for which they were overpaid just because we liked the energy they brought to the team, but they were not able to do what any of these roles really demanded. I'm embarrassed to tell you how many years we did that. I mean, I firmly believe that it's in service of the person to hire slowly and fire quickly. We hired this person slowly. We just didn't do the rest of our job. And so by the time we gave them the opportunity to go work somewhere else, they were pissed. We had done them no favors by trying to protect them and give them work here. We needed to be brave and tell them before, yeah, this isn't a match. And considering how many times I have clients bring those kind of situations to me and we work really well to help them resolve that, I did a bad job with that one. Well, a couple of reflections on your story, not to you know get you off the hook at all, but first off, this is a very common behavior in most of the leadership engagements that I have had, that there's one or two people who should no longer be at that organization who are still there. And I've got a couple of organizations where people have been there longer than they should be, and they've been there like 25 years. So this isn't like a three or four year person, but and these people have been moved around from person to person. And, you know, one of the people I spoke to was a leader who said, I'm not taking this person. You know, I've been asked to take this person. I think I'm the last standing leader who hasn't managed this individual. And I want to take a stand and say, no, I'm not taking this individual. So it gets nasty, right, internally when you hold on to somebody who isn't doing what they need to do and don't have the bravery amongst other emotions to, 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 uh, to say something. The second point is a great observation for folks that are listening, which is if you don't do something about a problem at your organization, you become the problem, right? So I'm sure there were people saying, why doesn't David do something about this? Why does David keep this person along? David, why don't you, you know, and, and you're suddenly <laughs> the focus of attention more than the person themselves. So, uh, you know, you have to remember that if you defer bravery, or uh, not attempt to take strong action when it's required, you're at risk of becoming as much of the problem as others. Yeah. If you don't own the problem, you become the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Did and, you, and did, did you experience that at all? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and, and by the time you let somebody go, no matter how quick you are, it's amazing how many people in an organization are like, oh, I can't believe that didn't happen sooner. And it's the team knows, and back to that bravery piece, that building trust within the team so that the team is able to say to the leader, hey, <laughs> heads up, this is something that's bubbling up. Instead of waiting for that person to be let go and the team saying, wow, man, that could have happened a long time ago. So, Well, what could you have done differently, I guess, for our listeners, if you were to relive that experience and observed at some point that somebody was not a good fit for the organization, which will happen. You know, recruitment is not some kind of magical experience that everybody who is hired are always perfect fits for their roles. Sometimes they won't be. You know, what would you do differently in order to ensure a more positive outcome? Yeah, you know, holding that person accountable to what the job requirements were and and being clear that here's the development path. These are the skills that you need to, you need to have brought on. These are the EQ-based competencies that we need to develop. And if those can't be developed, then we're going to have to find, you know, you're going to have to find somewhere else to be. But it needed to be clear communication early on. And instead of reacting to their resistance to redirection, <laughs> instead of avoiding that, we needed to double down and be clear on what was appropriate within this organization and what wasn't. Again, right. it was, I take it all back to ruinous empathy as opposed to radical candor. That 
speaking truth to power is not always up. <laughs> that can right. be down as well. <laughs> and that's that's what was demanded. And that was the same thing that was happening with other employees where we were being that clear. But this person, I'm plenty of coaching for me to get around why that happened for so long. <laughs> well, you can uh, you can also do self-coaching. So hopefully you've uh, you've made great progress on that front. But David, thank you so much for your time today. And I'm curious, are there ways that people can get in touch with you if they'd like to hear more about your practice or even talk to you about the story if they are experiencing a similar situation as well? Absolutely. I like to make it simple. So the name of the book was Mindset Mondays with DTK. And if you go to MindsetMondaysWithDTK.com, you see information on the book. You also get a chance to download the Rewire Framework, which is the uh, a framework that I built to go with this book that allows you to take any body of work that you're you're looking to learn or any mindset you're looking to take on, and it gives you a six-step framework to take it out into the world and make it real. In other words, to create to take information and make it meaningful, lasting change out of it. So you can download that even if you don't get the book. Of course, I would love you to. Um, and there's also at the top of the page, you can get any information you'd like on either me or my practice. That's all part of dtkcoaching.com. And you can contact me directly through the website. Fantastic. Well, for our listeners, they know that this is an audio experience only and not video. But I want to point out behind David, there is a poster on his wall that says achieving more requires becoming more. And I think that's a beautiful spiritual statement as it relates to being brave at work, right? If you want to achieve more, influence more, and do more, you have to become more than what you might be today. So David, thanks again for your time. Loved being here. Thanks for the conversation, Ed. Fantastic. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week. And we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on Apple, Google, CastBox, Overcast, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at CapitRisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.